We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Flights? No, no way. No, 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 I couldn't do that. I can't come on a plane. So I left it with him. I said, well, talk to me on, on Sunday. So I start the meeting on Sunday. Alan comes straight up to me and he says, no, no, I cannot do that. There's no way I'm going to do that. I cannot get on a plane. cannot happen. And during the meeting, John Singleton was speaking, and I don't know what the topic was, but just as an aside... John said, you know, my mum really worries about me. My mother really says she really worries about me when I go abroad and with all these flights. And he says, I say to her, you know, my biggest fear, the biggest thing you should be praying about, he says, is not the flights, but the cars travelling on the roads. Because, you know, I'm far safer in a plane than I am on the road. And God spoke to Alan just through that, 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 that little phrase, that, that thing he said. And Alan came back up to me, came to me at the end of the meeting and he said, I'm going, I'm going. And, and he went, he started to deal with the fears, but he came. Um, but then the miracle of that is that five years ago, 2016, 78 years old, he came to, with a team to Zimbabwe. And uh, so long flights and four planes when he was there. And, and not only had he kind of heard a word which encouraged him to go on the flight to Um, France and got him on the plane but actually something God put in his heart it changed him so that for future when he had to fly again it opened up massive opportunities of of going way beyond wherever God had actually what what God had put in his heart and where he'd been before and and I feel God's going to do that this morning I think he's probably already been doing it that as we listen that God is going to speak into our hearts and into our lives in ways that we have um, unexpected. So it doesn't actually matter what's being said in one sense, because God will speak. And whatever your need and whatever your situation and whatever your challenges or whatever you're facing at the moment, as you listen, then God will speak and you will hear him as you listen. And, and, and he can put something in your life which will change your situation forever. It's a permanent change just through a small phrase that was said on a Sunday morning. And it's kind of the theme, you'll see there's a relevance to what I'm I'm actually, um, that story later on as we go through. But I'm I'm calling this morning, um, I'm coming to the party. And uh, most of the references um, I'm using from the Bible today are from the message. And the key one, which is where the party comes from, is from Psalm 40. And it says this, doing something for you, Bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, that's not what you're asking for. You've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter what you wrote about me and I'm coming to the party you're throwing for me. That's when God's words entered my life and became part of my very being. So today we're going to talk about coming to the party. And I want to look at the three different sections of this psalm. First bit, doing something for you, bringing something to you, that's not what you're after. Being religious, acting pious, 
That's not what you're asking for. There's nothing God demands of us that enables us to get to know him more. There's nothing that we can do that can mess up, in a sense, we can mess the relationship in some ways, but there's, that anything he asks us to do, if we fail at it, it doesn't mess up our relationship with him. Because our relationship with God is not based on our performance, how well we do things. And um, as you'll hear later, I think that God sometimes lets us fail um, because of our, of our failure. He has some fun. Sue and I, there was, we were, I was trying to coughing in bed last night and we were joking around and uh, she wasn't laughing at the time. But, um, and uh, we just said, we just both of us paused and we just said, we think God's having a laugh here. You know, we're struggling here, but you're just having a good laugh. You know, we're just a couple of minutes sleep. It doesn't really matter. And I, I think God enjoys our company. He likes to have fun with us sometimes. And, and, and what we see as failures are his opportunities to do things in our life. So, so if we are trying to perform anything we do in terms of our performance, God is not interested in our performance. It's not the thing that builds our relationship. So if he's not interested in performance... What is he interested in? What is it that, uh, what is the basis of our relationship with God? 1 Peter 1 2 says there's four things that come out of this. First of all, he says that God has chosen us. So that means that the relationship I have with God is not something I started, it's something he started. He's initiated that relationship. He found May. It may be that you just walked past the Mayfield School and you saw a sign and you walked in, or you turned up at the at Castle Point one day. But actually, God, had, God knew what he was doing. He already chosen you. He's initiated that relationship. That's why we have that relationship, because he's revealed himself to us. Um, I like this bit. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father... It's not just something he did spontaneously. He thought about it. He knows exactly what you're like. The Bible says he knows our innermost thoughts. He knows how we behave. He hasn't got caught out by our behaviours or our thinking or the way we are. He knew before he chose us. And the reason he wasn't worried about it is because he's dealt with it by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. He knows what a mess we are. He knew what a mess you were when he chose you. But actually what he's done, he's actually working by his spirit through what Jesus has done through the power of the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus. He's made us fit to come into his presence and to know him. He's done it. There's nothing I can do. He's done it. Because he knew there would be a problem and he's, and he's resolved it. But he's done it for a purpose. He's given us a purpose to obey him to obey Jesus Christ. So there's a sense of giving us a purpose and, 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 and he's given us things to do. There's a sense of knowing, um, of him, him giving us that sense of um, equipping us for the things that he wants us to do. So we're equipped and made ready and enabled here. He's done all of it. There's nothing we can do. And I like this bit, sprinkled with his blood. The biggest problem we have, well, I don't know, I can't, say, I can't speak for you, I'm speaking for me, um, is, is that we often feel guilty when we've done things wrong. And God's dealt with it. He's forgiven us. 
but we have this conscience. God gave us his, our conscience for a purpose. It was, he put it there so we'd know when we did the things wrong. The trouble is it, it, it actually fires off at all the wrong times. And actually, when we don't need to feel guilty because um, he's dealt with it, we still feel guilty. And, and the whole thing about being sprinkled with his blood is, is, is that that's what the purpose was of Jesus' blood. The Bible talks about other places, about him, him, his, our conscience being sprinkled and dealt with by his blood. That's why baptism is so important, baptism in water, because it's part of that process where God releases us from that sense of guilty conscience. So let's just take us back then. So, so he's, it was his decision, he chose us. He did it because he thought about it. He knew exactly what he's like. He knew what he was doing. He knew what a mess we were. Um, but he's cleaned us up, so we're fine, so we're good. And he's equipped us to do the things he wants us to do. And he's dealt with those little thing, that little thing that sometimes makes us hesitate to come into his presence. So if that's what God has done for us, what does he want us to do for him? Because he doesn't want us to do anything, does he? What does he want us to do? This is our response. Psalm 95. So come, let us worship. Let us bow down before him, on your knees before God who made us. Oh yes, he is our God. And we're the people of his pastures, the flock he feeds. So there's four things in there. Um... No, we can't go into breakout rooms, so we'll stay as we are. I was going to ask you to just go in pairs and just say, what are the four things? Um, that's the school teacher in me. But, um, so, come, let us worship. He causes us to worship, brings us into worship. Um, actually, what we'll do, I'll do it the other way, the other school teacher thing. Let's just pause for a minute, just have a look yourself and see how many you can get. It's very different colours, but what are the things that, that God is calling us to do? Just to help you. Owen. <laughs> what what's the response in that? Okay, so I've given you one. He wants us to worship, okay? Anybody got another one? Shout it out if you want to. <laughs> surrender. surrender, yeah. So he wants us to surrender. Okay, worship him. We surrender to him. Anything else? Come to him. Come to him. Yep, come to, yep, yes. Come, yes, good point. We'll come to that. Worship him, surrender to him. Oh yes, he's our God. What's that? It's a declaration, it's testimony. It's actually saying what God has done in my life and, and, and declaring that he is my God. We don't keep it quiet. We shout it out. We let people know about it. And we're the people he pastures, the flock he feeds. Total dependency. He expects us to be, requires to be totally dependent on him. So we worship him. We bow before him. We surrender to him. We declare who he is and we become totally dependent on him. That's harder, actually, isn't it, than doing things. It's easy to do a few things, be a bit pious, um, light a few candles. But actually, this is demanding something more from us. And then there's a bit more. 
Oh, I've done that. Oh, there you go. I gave you the answers. I forgot they were there. <laughs> and then there's a bit more. Drop the next bit goes on to say, and drop everything and listen. Listen as he speaks. Which takes me back to what I was saying earlier. That God is, because he tells us in the psalm that you've opened my ears so that I can listen. Part of our equipping is that God has given us ears to hear. We're made to hear him. That's why Alan Fitch can sit in a meeting and hear God when John just mentions an aside and it changes his life. So we need to be alert to what he's saying. And, and, and listening is an active thing. I used to, when I was sitting in the classroom and I'd have my desk there and there'd be two, usually girls, sitting um, in front of me to, to their kind of chatting away, talking about what they're going to do in the evening or whatever. That's very, sorry, that was very sexist, wasn't it? They were boys sometimes, but, it, but I just remember specifically when one of the girls down looked at me and she said, stop listening to my conversations, sir. And, and I said, I said, well, I'm not listening because I, you have to actively engage to listen. And I was busy doing something else. And I think it's one of the things I taught, I learned, I learned as a teacher was how to, how to kind of just close out all the other conversations that are going into the classroom so I could focus on what I'm doing. It's very useful when you're married. But, um, but um, to, <laughs> to actually uh, just not listen, you have to actively listen, okay? Act, you have to actively listen to, to what's being said. So there's an engagement. We, can't, we could sit and it could go straight over our heads or actually we could choose to be alert to what God was saying. Um, last week we went to the feast. The feast was a great time. And, um, and you had those little prophetic words that came out on the desk. And, and uh, I was sitting next to Sue and she opened hers and we looked at it and thought, that's really good, that's bang on. And Robert Allen was the other side. And we looked at his and I thought, well, that was bang on as well. This is really, really good. And I opened mine. It said, beauty for ashes. I thought, what does that mean? What's that about? No one's put much effort into that one. They've obviously had a really bad day. Um, bear with me if you wrote that. It's got, it ends well, okay? It ends well, okay? Um, and I looked at this and I thought, oh, okay. Well, I'll just park that. I've got a clue. I showed it to Sue. She says, no, I don't know what it means either, she said. So we just left it. And then I started thinking, well, maybe something bad's going to happen. And God's going to make something good come out of it. That's not very encouraging. That's not a very good word. So, anyway, we just left it. And then on um, Sunday morning, we were in the meeting. And I sat through, John spoke. And at the end, we did that song on Come to the Altar. And there were some words in that song. It says, leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and, and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. And suddenly, as, as those, those words come, God put in my, a picture came to my head of something I did when I was 18. Um, when I was 18, I went on a team. I was quite an enthusiastic Christian when I was 18. I went to France on the OM team. Um, and somehow, well, I went on an OM team and somehow I managed to convince them I could speak French. And um, so 
we were doing door to door in France, it's a very literature thing. And I was with a guy, and to be honest, I was not desperately successful. I think I had one phrase. Um, which was and then chucked a leaflet in their face because that's all I could do. And um, I'd go out door to door with this other guy who could speak French. He said, well, you have a go now. Bonjour. <laughs> and, and, and I couldn't really communicate. Another time we were driving down, the literature, we were driving down the motorway. And um, we were, he asked us to count the leaflets because I were very fussy about spending money and, and leaflets. And I was counting the leaflets. Um, not much fun. It was a four-hour motorway drive. And I don't know whether I opened the window. I noticed the door wasn't quite open, shut properly, so I pulled it open just so we could shut it. And all these leaflets went flying out the car <laughs> down the motorway in Belgium. And, uh, and the bloke was distraught. He just pulled, he was so distraught, he pulled over on the hard shoulder, got out of the car vehicle, and went and collected these things so we could have as many as we possibly could. It wasn't my most successful mission. But God's built something in me. Out of those ashes, something beautiful has been built. And, and the, I think that that is what, how God wants us to be, that we, we can approach things. The things he gives us to do, it's not out of our successes. It can be out of our messes and failures that something beautiful is born. And God spoke to me out of that. And, and I just realised that I don't need to regret anything I've done in the past. Well, I've done it for him. Even when I've messed it up, or it's just exposed my foolishness. Because out of that, there was something God did something special in me, which is he's built into me, which is why I'm standing to why you here now. And there's other adventures I've been on since, which have been better, um, because of what he built in me during those times. Um, so how does that link? to I'm coming to the party. Well, in a sense, I think what I did then was I went on a party. You know, it's a bit of a con to go and convince them you could speak French, but there must have been some good, fun, some good things there. there was a, I spent time with a, there was a Dutch guy who was a Christian, who used to be a hippie. There was a German girl, there was a Finnish girl, there was a guy that I actually was with had lived in the same hometown as I did. There were, there were lots of people from all different backgrounds, and we, had, we did have some fun. We had some fun. It must have had some fun, because I went again in three years' time, and that was on a French-speaking team. So that took some convincing, and that was even more fun. But, but the sense that God is calling us to come to a party. And what happens when you go to a party is you let go of your inhibitions. That's why people go to parties. To party is almost a death. The verb itself is to become uninhibited. And... Um, I was talking to some, I won't reveal who she was, but I met somebody in Sainsbury's this week who was at the feast. And they were telling me how they love parties, but they put this silent disco on. It was really difficult dancing because she was really self-conscious because she was standing there doing this and everybody else around her wasn't. And it found a bit, a bit odd. But actually, when we go to parties, normally there's loads of loud music. I know people take other things to help their inhibitions sometimes. But, but um, we become inhibited. <coughs> And I think that's how God wants us to be with him. Come to the party, hear my word, and become 
uninhibited. Not living unrighteously, but uninhibited in being the person that he's called us to be, in worshipping him, in surrendering ourselves to him, in becoming dependent on him, in, in declaring who he is. There's a sense of, 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 of freedom and release in that that God wants us to have, which is beyond the sense of how must I behave or what are the right things I need to do to follow Jesus. And it's fun. It'll go wrong. I promise you it'll go wrong. I could tell you hundreds of stories but I've made a fool of myself um, in, in, in doing what I felt God wanted me to do. But actually, I'm still here. I'm still here standing. You know? And, um, and, and I'm sure there'll be other things that I'll do. But it doesn't matter because it's fun. And God's there and God sits down. You can mess that one up, didn't you, son? That was a bit of a laugh, wasn't it? But he doesn't care. Because that sense of, it's about relationship. It's about knowing who he is. It's about listening to his voice, hearing him. He's given us ears so that we can listen. And as we hear, it's a two-way thing. We can then respond back to who he is. So just two things I want to bring up in terms of how we lose our inhibitions. We need to be uninhibited in our relationship with God. Again, the message puts this well, Hebrews 10, 19. So friends, now we can now, without hesitation, without hesitation, walk right up to God in the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. There is no excuse. If God is calling you, if he's chosen you, we are without excuse. Jesus has made the way. And the second thing is our relationships with one another. I like this phrase too. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. You know, how, in, how, and how inventive can we be in looking at ways of loving one another, encouraging one another. It's uninhibited. Without, you know, let's explore things. You might get it wrong a few times, but we're family. You know, if I get it wrong, you'll tell me and we'll have a sit down, we'll have a laugh, and next time I'll try and get it right. But actually, do you know what? As good God's goodness is to listen, actually what we'll do, most of what we do will be good, and it will be right, and it will bless, and it will bring life to people. In, in a transforming way, because we're freedom in listening to him and responding to him. So it's time to come to the party. It's time to let go of those restrictions and those inhibitions that we have, because there aren't any. They're fictitious. They're the things the enemy would try and put us in, that capt captivate us and trick us into thinking that we can't Come, in to come to God's presence because I'm guilty. But God's dealt with it all. He's chosen you. That's why you're here. And I don't need to worry about what people are going to think of me or whether I'm going to get it wrong and make a mistake. Because actually, God's there. And he's in, the, in your mistakes. And out of those ashes, something beautiful will rise. Something beautiful will come. I just felt that there was kind of a little health warning to go with this. Because um, if we go on in Psalm 95, what it says is this. I haven't put this up on the screen because it looks too heavy. Because um, after, after he has said, let's just go back to the psalm. Um, after he said, no, sorry, we'll go back to this bit. Mm, that's the one. 
Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. And then he has said, no technology for you. That's the one I want. Drop everything and listen, listen as he speaks. It goes and says, don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising. As on the day of the wilderness test, when our ancestors turned and put me in the test, for 40 years they watched at me at work among them, as over and over they tried my patience, and I was provoked. Oh, was I provoked. I, I've been 40 years now walking with God. And, and I just feel that, that, that there is a sense where it's a relationship. So if I'm not talking to him, you know, if someone stops talking to me, I get offended. <laughs> so I just think that, that when you go to a party, you know, there is that sense of where there are those on the dance floor and those that sit round the edge. I don't think in God's party there's anybody sitting at the edge. I think we don't go to observe. If we go, we go to party. We go to be part of what God is doing. Um, and, 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 and I just kind of felt there was just, well, you need to just weigh that for yourselves. But whether, you know, we can't just sit back and think, well, you know, these bones are a bit, bit joints are a bit achy now and I can't get them to dance. You know, my spirit is not getting any older. My spirit is growing. It's still young and it's still growing. And, and I need to be dancing in my spirit. And uh, whatever's happening on the outside. And, and that's where I'm at. I'm telling you this because that's where I'm at. God spoke to me quite recently. I want you back again to be foolish. God reminded me of how foolish I was when I was younger. And I, and I want to be foolish in, in the right way. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully, because I'm in this community and God's put around me people that are, um, can look out for me and will tell me when I'm getting it wrong and tell me I'm in excess because they love me and they care for me and they help me. Um, and it's a safe place to be foolish, because they will tell me. But actually, sometimes in that foolishness will come some wisdom, because of what God's put inside of me. And I want to be that. I want to be, try things out, do new things, step out and risk it. Because what actually happens when you do that, you, you're going to speak the word of life into people's hearts, and people will be transformed and people will change. Going back to the Alan Fitch story, I actually... Yeah, I will say this. There was, I actually, I knew he'd not been on a plane. And I felt God say to me, invite him. And, and, and there was a nudge from God. Now, that was a risk. You know, yeah, that's a risk. An agoraphobic guy, come on, come on my plane, come on a plane. But actually, that was something God put in my heart to do. And that's when we take those risks, you can see people's lives transformed. Thanks, Richard. So God really wants us to come to the party. He wants to release our inhibitions and to have that freedom. And that's what it is to be in real relationship with him. That it's not that we hold back. It's not that we present something. When we're at work, we present a certain side of us. But God wants to know what's really deep inside. And I think sometimes we've, been, we've had these inhibitions. We've had these, these masks on for so long that we don't even know we have them. Peter and Mike are going to come up and they're going to lead us in, well, they're going to minister us to us with a new song. And what we want to do is we want to respond to God with these songs. This is our opportunity. So, Mike. So I had a couple of pictures last week, this week, 
um, that I wanted to share with you guys that I think are from God and what he's saying to us. Uh, it's interesting hearing what Richard's saying there because it really does tie in. Um, so I had a picture of metal being kind of molten metal being put into a clay pot. And as it sat there, the clay just kind of broke away to kind of brick dust, to nothing, leaving behind this nice shiny metal. Followed straight on from that, I had a picture of just someone tucked up in, you know, one of those really thick duvets. You would have felt it this morning. Like just tucked away in this duvet, just oh, nice and snuggly and warm and whatever. And just really that moment of just getting rid of the duvet and standing up, becoming vulnerable. In both of those pictures, you've got something crumbling away. Uh, and I felt God saying that actually it's time for that protective layer that some of us have built up around us to protect us from whatever we feel we need protection from to fall away now. Uh, it's time to step out and be ready to become vulnerable in his presence, which was talking about being vulnerable in this community, similar kinds of things, and just kind of step out from that. Uh, and I really felt God wanted to kind of shine like a spotlight, really highlight for us this morning, what are those things that we put in that are protecting us from whatever we feel we need protecting from? And actually God's saying, you don't need to build your own protection around yourself. You don't need that stuff because I am your protection. Jesus is our protection. Uh, so the song that we're going to bring to you now is about returning to him uh, and just being back with Jesus, vulnerable um, and knowing that we're accepted by him, but taking that step, maybe that sacrifice, that scary step maybe to step out into, into his presence and kind of drop away some of those things that we're putting out as, as protection um, over around ourselves. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.